Quick throw left side, has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host. Wednesday is my night. When you say Wednesday, you say John Harris because <laughs> I'm going to be here except after the season's over in between the Super Bowl, but Wednesday night's my night. But it's always a night that I get to share with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, happy Wednesday. How are you doing, my friend? Johnny, I'm doing well. You know, it's uh... – here we are. Free agency's kind of you, – you feel it not drying up. I hate to use that term, but yeah. you feel it winding down a little bit, this initial mm-hmm. burst with yep. all the teams. There's still stuff going on. There's a lot going on. But you're kind of – you know, the, the big storm has blown in and you're still getting some raindrops here. <laughs> and now we're getting ready for the draft, right? Yeah. I think I use too – you think I use too many metaphors and analogies? I wrote about this in Daily Brew today. It's up on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. And I wrote a story called Roster Remake. And uh-huh. I compared trying to evaluate where the roster is now with trying to project Lewis and Clark's route when they were in Iowa. And I actually looked it up on Google – and Lewis and Clark, you know, they didn't go straight west. It wasn't like, let's get on I-80 and go west. You know, they had to go over a lot of rocky terrain. That's what I compared what the Texans have to do here. But they're doing it. They're in the process of doing it. That's the best thing I've ever I, – I swear to you, I did not expect to be talking about Lewis and Clark on the radio this evening. I can Listen. promise you that. You cannot get this kind of stuff anywhere else. No, These kind no. of analogies, metaphors, no. no. This is exclusive material. Yes, absolutely. Also exclusive is Drew Doherty and John Harris on In the Lab. You'll hear that in our next segment. As Drew and I, we took both sides of the ball and discussed a newcomer, if you will, that we were most excited about. Mm. And there have been plenty of them. We're going to get that in a little bit. And then we'll finish up going around the league late in the show but Mark we got to start off with a little bit of news and one I think that broke publicly about 1 30 today we found out this morning but the Houston Texans have a new team president it's a guy we know very very well and his name is Greg Grissom how how did you take the news Mark how excited were you you know Greg pretty well you've been mm-hmm on a lot of leadership committees with him for a number of years. Your overall thoughts of Greg stepping in to follow in the footsteps of Jamie Roots as our new president? Yeah, I, look, and I think people need to understand the role of the president. You're basically running the business part of the business, right? The right. business operations. Cal McNair right. oversees everything. He's the leader of the organization. He's the CEO, the chair, all of that. And you have football and you have the business and the business is ticketing, marketing, PR, what we do uh, and HR accounting It all reports to him. And, you know, Greg just does such a tremendous job in corporate development, which is sponsorship sales. He does the the sweet sales. Uh, But it's more than that, really. It's it's finding ways to really connect businesses in the community, not only with the Texans, but with each other, John. And he's done a 
great job at that. And that's why a lot of businesses love being involved with the Texans. It's not just being involved with the local NFL team. It's being involved with each other. It's kind of a club, if you will, in a good way. And they've all, like, with our help, with their help, it's been a, a collective, collaborative thing. We've done so much for Houston with these partners, right? HEB, Houston right. Methodist. I mean, I don't want to miss anybody. The list goes on and on and on about doing great things for Houston, being able to fulfill those aspects of the mission statement of the Houston Texans. And I'm not just blowing smoke here. This is really important to Cal McNair, the McNair family, since the get-go to do great things for the city in addition to providing NFL football, let's be honest. But yeah. but you, they want to do that. And I think Greg is is so perfect for this role. And I know that uh, it's something that uh, I'm not going to say, like, he's been gearing up for the day that Jamie leaves and he can try to do No, it's not like that. Yeah. But I really felt like when I joined the organization almost 10 years ago, and even before that, because I've been friends with Greg for a long time. I mean, Greg and I used to live a few streets apart, the same neighborhood, and uh, and we, you know, have cookouts and stuff like that. And our kids, friends, and, you know, I live in Sugarland now and he lives, you know, closer to the stadium. So uh, we don't see each other quite as often, but we see each other at work a lot. And so I've known him for a long time. He's a tremendous guy. He bleeds Texan and he is a Texan. His uh, his family's terrific. He's a UT guy. Um, and, you know, so forgive him for that if you're not. But I just <laughs> think he's going to do a tremendous job here. Yeah. He he loves what we do, you know. Greg actually has some pipes and I think he could broadcast, you know, we've talked about this kind of thing and (laughs) that ship has sailed for him, but um, he's, he is good on the air and stuff. And he, and he's a, he's a P one in radio. You call him a P one sports radio, Six Ten diehard listener. Okay. All the time. I mean, all the time he consumes the content. And, um, and so he's a big, um, not, con- not only consumer, but fan of what we do, but he'll give his opinion. Hey, you know, you guys need to, you know, he'll just tell me some stuff and he <laughs> yeah. always has, he's never been shy. That's one thing. He's not shy about giving his opinion on things. And I think that, uh, he's just going to do a great job. So I know I've rambled a bit, but I- I'm a big Greg fan. So I'm happy for him that he's president and that, uh, Cal has made this move. And I just think that, uh, you know, a lot of positive things are happening with the organization. Look, I know, and you know, we forgot to say it at the outset of the show, we are not doing legal talk here yeah, on Texans all access. It's, um, I know it's a huge story, but that's a legal matter. And that's, that's for another situation. And I just think that, uh, you know, and that's hard to ignore. I get it. But I, I think, you know, aside from, you know, things happening there, I think there's so many positive things happening. We got to keep that going. Yeah, no doubt. And, I remember when I first met Greg, I didn't know who he was because I'd gotten back here in 2007 and we were over at another radio station, the one that I started with. And of course it was uh, Raheel and Hoffie. Uh, if you, uh, if you listen to us on that station and those two had, they always had crazier stuff going on. And it was like anything that was kind of non-sports ish sports stuff went on their show. And so they just used to bring in Houston Texans cheerleaders onto their show. And so one day um, they were, it was the last segment of the show and going in and there were a couple of Texas cheerleaders that were on their show and sky Greg Grissom is there. And at that point, that's what he was in charge of with the Texans. So fast forward seven years later, obviously he's moved up the ladder a little bit uh, when I get there in 2014. And I just was like, wow, okay. This guy must be doing some great things to take the steps to get where he was when I met him in 2007 to where he was in 2014 to where he is now, uh, those seven year increments. He's now the president of the Texans and we love the death. And I thought that was just tremendous news for Greg Grissom taking over as a new president 
of the Houston Texans. Mark, let's get some transactional news out of the way that became official today before we get to some either-ors that I think are pretty good. The Texans signed the following four unrestricted free agents. Terrence Mitchell, Chris Moore, Kevin Pierre-Louis, and Andre Roberts. They also re-signed the following free agent, which I think we've talked about, very excited about, Farrell Brown, the tight end, coming back. And then the Texans signed the following two free agents. And if you're wondering kind of how the the layout is, like why couldn't you just say they're all – they all fit into different categories based on vested years of service, et cetera. So you would think, hey, these two – Two names should be with the top. Well, they're kind of separated for different reasons. But the Texans also signed the following two free agents. I think two guys were excited about because of the experience, because of the name value. Mark Ingram, running back, joins the Texans, as does Christian Kirksey. Spent some time with the Browns, spent some time with the Packers, and he joins the Texans. You hear those names, Mark, and you're like, okay, that's not all of them. That's not all of them, but we're getting there to get the full list of changes thus far, but I don't know if any of that stands out, but just hearing that that's all official, how's that make you feel voice of the Texans? And I wrote about this today. We've talked about it, Johnny, that this, this team is going to be so different. And I think you need players like Mark Ingram who command respect. Yes. Ingram walks through the door and it's instant respect. It's, oh, that's Mark right. Ingram over there. You know, he's right. done some things in this league and, you know, he's won the trophy and you got all that. I mean, when he was, when the news broke by whatever outlet broke it, that Ingram was going to be a Texan. We heard from Andre right away yeah. who loves Ingram. Yep. And I think everybody who gets to know him, even in a social media way, kind of falls in love with the guy. So, look, I'm not saying that you're getting, you know, Barry Sanders in his prime, Mark Ingram. <laughs> you're not getting that. No. You're getting Mark Ingram, a decade player, uh, and that's a good thing. And I think you need guys like that. You're going to need the young players, whoever they are, to shine, and he's one who can help them come along. But I, I think that he's a stabilizing force. Kirksey, stabilizing force. Marcus Cannon, stabilizing force. Tyrod Taylor, stabilizing force. You yep. need a lot of stabilizing force kind of guys who can play but they're also stabilizers. And then you continue to add to the mix because uh, it's hard to know what it's all going to look like. They've created, they say they like competition and it's clear because (laughs) you're going to see these position groups and training camp. And I'm eager to see, because Johnny, we haven't seen this coaching staff, right? You know, we're kind of used to things. You got used to the Kubiak way. First, I got used to the Capers way. Yeah. which was you could set your watch to it. Like, uh, <laughs> if it's 201, it looks like I missed the first minute of practice, you know. Like, yeah. you get everything. Uh, November practice, uh, November 13th, afternoon practice will be at 2 o'clock. And yeah. it was at 2 o'clock. This was in September, he could tell you that. Uh, you know, Kubiak would start to change things up a little bit. Bill O'Brien would change things up a bit. Yeah. But the point is this. You get to know those coaches and the way they do things and the rhythm of it all. Right. We don't know what this is going to be like, and especially yeah. in camp, OTAs, whatever, how they're going to set it up with who's on the what team. Can you imagine the media going crazy with who's running with the ones? Oh, with this gonna, because the oh, next day oh, it's going to be completely flipped, I totally. think. I think they're just going to create competitive situations and see yeah. what cream floats to the top and make decisions on that. So uh, I know it's a long-winded answer to your question, but I, I think those guys, uh, it's exciting to me to see veterans come in like that and, you know, we haven't seen the draft yet, the undrafted free agents and everything else they can add uh, to this mix. But it's going to be 80%. You know it. Minimum, I think, yep. 80% turnover on this roster. I think, I think you're dead on. I think the one thing about Mark Ingram 
that stands out for me is the fact that in New Orleans, he had to share the backfield with Alvin Kamara, and he did it, and then he excelled doing it. In Baltimore, he had to share the backfield not only with Lamar, but then J.K. Dobbins comes in. He's got to share it with Gus Edwards as well, and he did it, and he was their biggest fan, which I loved, and I think it just goes to that whole point of great teammate. That's what you want to have, uh, and I think Mark Ingram will definitely be that. Okay. I love either or. I think it's time. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. Number one. There have been a lot of college pro days going on, or NFL pro days, I guess. But at, at colleges throughout the country, a lot of them have been on TV. USC was today. Mark Vandermeer, you're going to your pro day, and you can either run a 4-2-9 in the 40, or you can put up 38-plus bench press reps of 225 pounds. What, what are you what doing? Posi- what position do I play? Linebacker. I'm going to do the uh, – the. you said bench press, right? Yep. I'm going to do the bench press. I, I think that the bench oh, press wow. is the way to go. Now, all right, well, maybe linebacker, I want to run a 4-2-9. But as a linebacker running a 4-2-9, they're know. like, what are you doing as a linebacker? <laughs> True. True. But that's your tr- – it's up to you. It's up to you. Do you want to be a 4-2-9-40 or you want 38-plus reps on the bench press? All right, I'm switching. I'm going 42940. Yeah, that's that's a head turner right there. You know, the, the bench press numbers to the average fan, it's like, is that a lot? Is that a little? Sounds like a lot, but 429, everybody, yeah, everybody knows, knows what knows. that means. Everybody, everybody knows. Knows. who ran the 429? Oh, there have been some guys that, that I just I, I don't know. There have been some guys. Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, wide receiver ran 429. There are a couple others. Oh, Eric Stokes, a DB from Georgia, ran, I think, a 429 somewhere in that range. Now, they're pro day time, so you take it with a grain of salt, but is what it is. All right, here's one. Okay. You've got to put one win in the time capsule. You're going to bury that sucker 100 years from now. Now, there are already a number of great wins that are already in the capsule. Mm -hmm. So you get to add one more to it before it's buried and put away. The win at Indy in 2015 or the overtime win against Indy home 2016, which one you put in the capsule? Oh, come on. I'm not going – I'm not <laughs> – Yes. Pick between My most embarrassing call ever was no. in the 2016 game. <laughs> I mean, I nailed the call, but I didn't yeah, nail the call. You know what I'm saying? I didn't flub well, the words. I got the words right. I almost wish I flubbed the words of Houston. I wasn't even thinking about that. That has a – I'm just talking about – Johnny, this itself. is how I – like, I think of games in two ways. Like – the quality of victory, absolutely. But did True. I do a good job that day yeah. myself? Not that it's all about me, but let's be honest here. Uh, well, I, look, I evaluate things in a broadcast sense. So of 2016, course. I actually thought that was a hell of a win. And if Brock had gone on to be a really good – I'm not going to put great on him, but how about really good Texas really quarterback? Good, yeah. We would have pointed to that night as the turning point because they were down. It wasn't going to happen. And he hits Lamar Miller inside the 10 and Lamar Mm -hmm. Miller does, you know, he does the Lombada or whatever, whatever on his way to the end zone gets in. It's like, all right, well, maybe get a shot. And then they get the ball back. And then he hits CJ Fedorowicz for the equalizer. And then he hits Jalen strong on the left sideline with a nice pass. It really was to set up the winning field goal. And the Texans get out of there with a really improbable victory over their nemesis. They don't beat the Colts that often. So winning on Sunday night, Primetime was huge at the time, and that's why I went over the top with the call. So, 
That was a good moment. But the 2015 win, Johnny, first ever win in Indy that you know. I've talked about that many times. That that might be my favorite all-time Texans win, period. Period. Yeah. Yeah. That might be it over – it's hard to say over 2011 at clincher, but it's, it's, it's really up there. It's All really right. up there because of the frustration that the guys in blue, the Colts, I just want to, you know, metaphorically in yeah. a sports sense, strangle them. Thank you. Okay. Speaking of the Colts. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. I know where they did with this. They did resign <laughs> T Y Hilton. I knew this was coming tonight. Okay. They did resign him. Apparently he had one other offer that he was considering. That was better, apparently. Which would have been worse, the Chiefs or the Patriots? Honestly, I don't think he's going to do that much damage this year, but uh, it's a good question. You know, Johnny, I'm looking at the Patriots, and maybe we don't have time for this tonight, but it's, it's looking a little concerning to me what they're doing. They're starting to look a little very, good with some of these acquisitions. Concerning. You know, very concerning. What are you talking like, about? Fellas, very concerning. I always say this about high-priced free agents, and you know, they're spending a, a gargantuan amount of money on free agents. And I always say this, like, okay, yeah, maybe it's going to come back and bite you, but you got to deal with them right now, right? Yeah. No matter what happens in the future, you got to deal with these guys this year, and we're playing them. Right, so yep. get ready. And I'm not sure about the quarterback situation. We can talk about that another day. I think in this case, the Chiefs would have been worse for me. You, you don't play the Chiefs this year, but that would have felt awful to see T.Y. Yeah. Hilton making big plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you. I think yeah. he goes to New England. I mean, he's a piece. But I think with Cam throwing the football, I'm just not totally convinced that's going to be a great piece, to be honest. Okay, last one. And it's basketball. Now, this is the way I phrase this, so you can take it however you want. You get to re- relive the tourney magic. So it's just a tournament. Would you want to go back and relive 1988 Kansas Jayhawks, Danny and the Miracles, or 1985 Villanova that upset Georgetown to win it all? Oh, there's no question, Villanova, Ed Pitt, oh. Georgetown. There's no question in my mind. I want to see that game. Uh, I want to see that game replayed. I watched that game. I might have watched that on a black and white television in my apartment at school. All right. I was still, I must, it was 85, right? Yep. All right. So I know exactly. I was still living in the apartment where I lived my senior year because I graduated in 84 December. All right. Mm-hmm. Three and a half years in. I finished early. And I was still living in that apartment and in my bedroom at a black and white set. And that's how I watched Ed Pinckney and the Villanova Wildcats defeat Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas, that tremendous upset. Uh, who was the kid? Jensen making those free yeah, throws. Yeah, Harold Jensen. End. Yeah. Yeah. And they shot, what, over 70% or something? I yeah, mean, it was unbelievable. You know, Nine I mean, of you 10 can, in the second half. I mean, come on. It's crazy. It's crazy. So right. uh, that was a trip. Why? Wow, you think Danny and the Miracles, huh? I love that run. Because I feel like Villanova and Georgetown were actually closer than people thought. And they played in the same conference. So they had played already three times that year. I guess the same with Kansas and Oklahoma. But nobody saw Kansas come. I mean, beyond Danny, and Danny Manning. And he was tremendous. But the other guys around him were so, so good. Chris Piper, um, Pritchard, Kevin Pritchard, who's now a GM in the NBA. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of who he's with now. But they just played a brilliant – and the first half of that championship game against Oklahoma was 50-50. to And it was one of the great 
halves of college basketball ever. Defense? It was phenomenal. Ah, defense. Defense, <laughs> me, fetch. Who cares about defense, which I know sounds weird coming from me. But, all right. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go 85 Villanova. That was a pretty special I, I just special the, sporting moment. I love the old Big East. Uh, you know, I'm not a Big East snob, Johnny, but I appreciate the Big East. I love the 30 for 30 on the Big East. Now, as I say that, when I moved here and I learned more about Guy V. Lewis, I thought, this is freaking crazy that this guy's not in the Hall of Fame. And now he is. But it took forever to get a guy who's been to five Final Fours in the Basketball Hall of Fame. What are you, crazy? But that shows you the East Coast bias and the Big East is part of that. So uh, I recognize my previous snobbery of being an East Coast (laughs) basketball guy. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, no doubt. All right, we're going to go in the lab next. One player, one addition. On both sides of the ball, Drew Dorian and myself have got you covered right here on Texans All Access. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. Wait, are you sure it's on? Positive. Wow, it's really quiet. Yeah, that's Dykin all right. And it does it all with less energy than your old system. HVAC sure has come a long way. Inverter technology from Daikin uses 30% less energy than traditional non-inverter systems. So while your home is cooling, your energy bill gets even cooler. Daikin. Air intelligence. Air intelligence. Air in- Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. It's like Netflix, but free. Go to HoustonTexans.com and click listen for every episode of our Texans radio shows. Welcome back, everybody, to your Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. It's time to jump right in to our In the Lab discussion that Drew Doherty and I had this week. Drew, take it away. Well, hello, friends, and welcome into In the Lab. I'm Drew Doherty, and waving at you like a... <clears throat> I don't know. He's just waving. It's John Harris. I'm just waving. Yeah. yeah. It's good to see you, man. How are you? How you been? I'm doing okay. How are you, Pops? You getting some sleep? I am. I am. John, of course, is referencing a week ago Friday, my lovely wife, Vita, had a baby, Lucy Lorraine. She's a sweet, healthy baby girl. She's got lots of hair, like a game show host. It's dark. <laughs> Very pretty. And she's doing great. Vita's doing great. So we've got five children now at home. And, um, I don't know, the bags under my eyes aren't too too heavy, are they? I put you, you nah, see makeup at, at the start of this, so no, nah, you're good. The fact that you got all the way to five though, it might kill you in the next ten years. But you know, I mean, I I got my hands full with two. So I mean, if I were if I were y'all, I would have stopped after the twins. Boy, girl, done. So yeah, but yeah. love you though, man. It's awesome. That's awesome news. I was so happy for you guys. Um, you know, it's it once they get older and they kind of, you know, I know you're living through some of the fun stuff now, but once they get older, it's going to be really cool. And you have, 
you know, dinner and you've got all these different adults at the table with all these different, uh, you know, thoughts and ideas and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's going to be really, really cool as you, as they grow up and, uh, grow old together. It's going to be really cool. We got all sorts of different thoughts and ideas at the dinner table right now. So <laughs> uh, anyways, that's another, that's another story. We'll do that some other time, but yeah, uh, the last month or so you and I have, because of all the uncertainty within the organization, um, lots going on yeah. negative that we know about, obviously. You know, and we can't talk about it. You and I, so to kind of reroute, we talked about and did a vintage in the lab all time all 32 draft. It was a lot of fun. It's the most fun I've, yep. I've ever had on this podcast. And uh, we each had one player per NFL franchise all time that we could choose. And we went back and forth and did that. And we had some awesome teams. And since then, since it's finished here and there on Twitter, you'll see stuff about NFL legends. And just last night there was a tweet and it was, these are the top 10 football players in NFL history. And I was like, Oh, who do they have? <laughs> uh, number one was Jerry Rice, who you've got. Yeah. And then I had three, four, and five, which I think was LT or Jim Brown, LT, and somebody else. Um, and then I had one more guy. So I had like four. You had three. Peyton Manning was in mm-hmm. there. That's your quarterback. And yep. uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Oh, Mean Joe Green was one of one of mine. That was awesome. oh yeah. So yeah, it yeah. was. It's fun seeing this, and it's it's fun to to chit chat about it and debate about it. But we're going to talk about the current situation because there have been a boatload of signings, trades, transactions here with your Houston Texans. And today I'm going to get one player from offense, one player from defense that's got you really excited, who's been added to the mix and got you really excited about the future here for the Texans. Let's start on offense, Johnny. All right, you go first. Okay. Well, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of interested in Chris Conley, the wide receiver that comes to the Texans from the Jaguars. Now, you look at the stat sheet and you see 40 receptions and that's kind of a good barometer and that's kind of a good median line for me, I think. I, I wasn't expecting Megatron. I wasn't expecting right. Andre Johnson. But this is a guy who's contributed. We've seen him contribute against the Texans in the past and he's very, very fast. And he, like every other transaction on the roster, aside from the kicker position, it's all been about competition. I mean, there are going to be a lot of these guys that have been signed that, you know, they won't make it past uh, September 1st, but the, the, the competition level has been bounced up. And I'm pretty excited about Conley. Heard him talking about his excitement in coming to the team. He mentioned specifically the coaching staff that's been assembled uh, under head coach David Culley. And, you know, I've had a chance to meet a few of him or a few of them out here in the hall over the last week or so. And these guys are excited. These guys have They've known a lot of football. They've forgotten more football than I could ever hope. And, you know, I just, for example, I saw the offensive line coach camping a moment ago, and he's settling into Houston. He's excited about things. They were on a, things, but he was on a, a break from a, a staff meeting a moment ago. But Conley's got me excited just because I know a little bit about him after seeing him twice a year over the last few years. And this guy's got some speed, and he, I think he adds to a mix with Brandon Cooks there at the front and Kiki QT and Chad Hansen. It's going to be fun to see – what becomes of this roster because it's a real big blob right now that's going to get refined at the end of training camp. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> I was not surprised or should not have been surprised that Conley was signed because you have Cobb, Cooks, QT, Coulter. Got to stick with those C's. Conley. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to stick with it. I, I was pretty excited to see that. And that happened just 
Monday, I think. And it was like, okay, is, is it going to stop? And, and not that it's a bad thing, but I think offensively for me, it was the trade that, that Nick made with the trade, the Patriots to get Marcus Cannon. Yeah. We talked about this at this time last year, we were talking about this offensive line and we were really excited about it, man. This is the first time we've had five starters coming back all in the same position. This is going to be great. 2020 was not great on the offensive line. Didn't run it well. Didn't it just felt disjointed. I thought the interior guys were were not excellent in any way, shape, or form. And I thought Titus played well at times. I thought Laramie did very well. And look, Laramie is the, the gold standard, I think, at left tackle. And I thought he did very well. I still think that the run blocking across the board was not great. Um, it didn't feel like there were guys that were wanting to to finish blocks, no matter whether it was zone or power or whatever they were running. It just didn't come together well. So then Snail Calamete released. You have Nick Martin released. Zach Fulton released. You bring in Justin Britt, now who hasn't played since 2019. But then you also bring in Marcus Cannon. Now Marcus Cannon hasn't played since 2019 either because he opted out due to COVID and for good reason. He's a cancer survivor. This guy's a Texan through and through. I mean, he loves, he lives on, or he has a ranch, does all the work by hand. I mean, He's a massive guy at 6'5", 6'6", 335. The only question to me is what position does he play? The flip side of that is I don't really care because I want these five guys that step in up front to be able to mash. We got to run the football, just run the football. And I think the, the other one that people will get excited about just because they know his name is Philip Lindsay. Uh-huh. But, I, but I think what Philip brings – even though he's 5'8", 5'9", a buck 90. He's nasty. Not a, not a, he's a, he runs like a Mack truck. So yeah. you put his talents with Mark Ingram and David Johnson, you start to feel like, okay, yeah, I kind of like the way that goes together. Crazily enough, I still think a young running back to try and grow, you know, like the, the – I don't know if second round – obviously you don't have a second rounder, but I don't know if third round – but maybe in the fourth round, I, I love this crop of running backs. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think they've got a lot. There's a lot of versatility amongst this group. And so I think you can find a good running back, a good young running back to learn from these veterans that maybe by week 13, week 14, kind of like J.K. Dobbins did with the Ravens last year, is ready to step up and, and be the guy or at least contribute, you know, six to eight carries a game. I think you can find that in this rookie class. I think it's imperative to find a young ball carrier in this rookie class. But most importantly, you got to have the offensive line that's going to mash. And when you add Marcus Cannon in that mix with Titus, with Laramie, now with Justin Britt, presumably Max Sharping, maybe a draft pick, maybe a rookie, I still think, again, same, to that same point, we could look at it and say, hey, look, I think the offensive line's set. Or you could go get some more competition. That's kind of been the theme. Go find competition at all positions. You find it in a draft, great. And so I think an interior offensive lineman is going to be drafted and there are a few that I really like, and I've kind of kept my eyes on interior offensive linemen because I felt like that's a need for us, no matter how many offensive linemen we, we resign. But to me, getting Marcus Cannon kind of makes this offensive line, oh, boy. Man, you're going to have to bring your lunch pail against them. And I felt like last year that wasn't the case, especially in the run game. They're just It just wasn't, it just wasn't there. It didn't click. Mm-hmm. But maybe with this group a little bit more at center, with Marcus at guard or tackle, however they're going to put that together, maybe sharpening at left guard again uh, after a tough year last year, 
they should be able to run the football a little bit better than they've run it in the past. And I think these running backs will benefit from that too. So I would say Marcus Cannon, that trade I thought was huge and it was totally completely unexpected. You see coming to America too? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, okay. Listen, we all know it's not the first one. Okay. That's yeah. the goldest of gold standards. It's like, I think, yes. it's, I think it's the greatest comedy of all time. I still like coming to America too. Okay. I did too. I did too. Yeah, absolutely. So just yeah. Everybody calm down. Shoot it out of the sky, shoot it, whatever. All right, it's not the bad. It's a sequel. We know that. Just chill. Right. It's still fun. Uh, but King is a. Why are you bringing that up? Oh, okay. There's okay. You're going somewhere with this. All so right. the, he's Eddie Murphy's now the King is a Munda. Yeah. Desmond King. Ah. I just wanted to talk about coming to America too because I, I it really is. Kind I got of, It's gnawed at me seeing all the negative press about coming to America too. Like, yeah. oh, made it. It was fun, all right? It was just fun. It was fun. It was very fun. I think it could be fun with Desmond King. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to what he can do. I know at the trade deadline, there were a lot of folks that wanted him to come here. Not a lot, but maybe there, there were some that said, oh, that would have been nice to see him here. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what he does here defensive back-wise for the Texans because that was a spot that sorely needed attention this offseason. It's been you know, it's been tough the last few years around here uh, with regards to – you know, the, the defensive backfield. There have been some struggles here, and I think he's a guy that can instantly help make it better, A, just by virtue of the competition level that he brings, but B, yeah. I think he's going to be a contributor. And I think he's, he's going to do some good things to help this defense and maybe give the pass rush a little bit more time and vice versa. So I'm excited about that. You know, he was with the Chargers, so there's some familiarity coaching staff-wise there, some guys that have been there recently that know about him now. And then he was with the Titans. So you see their game film all the time. Uh, and you, you get, get a little bit of a sense of that. So I'm excited about that. Would you, did you like that move? I mean, that was kind of a yeah. – we'd seen sort of a wave of moves. And I think that was a little bit of a surprise to some, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was a little bit. I, I thought that he would have gotten a, a bigger, better deal. You know, Mark and I had talked about this um, probably about a week or two out. And I was looking at the PFF projections. PFF projected, you know, contracts for the top 100 free agents. And the, the guy, they had a contract from Mike Hilton that was listed as three years, $12 million. And I was like, man, if you can get Mike Mike Hilton for three years and $12 million, you need to like run to him, take the private jet, whatever you got to get him. He's the kind of player you got to have. He's the smallest guy in the field, but yet he's the most impactful nickel in the league right next to a guy like Desmond King. But then Mike Hilton signed for four years and $24 million. I'm like, well, that's a little rich, probably a little bit more than I wanted to pay him. But then I find out that Desmond King signed for a little bit under what the APY would have been that PFF suggested for Mike Hilton. I'm like, you're going to get me Desmond King at less than that money? Uh, Rock on. Let's go. I'll take it all day because he's a playmaker. He plays an interesting position because not a safety, he's not a corner, he's a nickel. And even though we have, as an organization, made a stance, which I like, that, you know what, we're going to list Malik Collins as just a defensive lineman. And this guy is just a linebacker. And this guy is just a DB. When you get into it a little bit more, there's a difference between corner and nickel. And last year, unfortunately, because of the injuries outside, it forced Vernon to have to go outside. And really, Vernon should have been playing inside. That was his best option. Well, now you have Vern Hargraves back. You have Desmond King in the mix. You also have John Reed. 
those guys are going to compete for that nickel spot. And I think that's going to be a, a really good thing to have guys compete for that particular spot such that they can find somebody that can cover some of the more difficult guys to cover inside that can blitz off the edge, you know, like a Logan Ryan did with the Tennessee Titans and do some of those things uh, with the New England Patriots too, Logan Ryan. But those, that's the kind of player you want to have kind of a, a, a versatile. And I know people, I, I've thought about this word a lot because people have, they hear that word versatile and Bill O'Brien used to use it. And, you know, guys at 610 radio hosts on it. Oh, versatile. Oh my God. Versatile. Here's the problem with versatility in some sense. And some of the players that were asked about in the past, guys are versatile because they could go to a different position and play. Being versatile means you're good at those different positions that you play. There's a difference in just, well, he's versatile. He can go play tackle or guard where he can just step into those. There's that's great. being able and there's being able to play proficiently. And that's the right. one you want. You don't want just Absolutely. being able. There's doing your job and then there's doing your job well. And <laughs> right. if you're versatile, if you're versatile, truly versatile, then you can play those roles well. And that's not something that guys that were quote-unquote versatile in the past were able to do. There are two guys that I really I got excited about on the defensive side. Number one is Malik Collins. I just think interior defensive players that can get up the field, build like a brick house with his athleticism, you just don't find that every day. And – you got him for a one-year deal. It's a prove-it deal. So he's going to be every, you know, every single week looking to prove what he's got. And I think he's perfect for this particular defense. And at that point, it also puts pressure on some other players to, you know, hey, uh, you had an opportunity last year. What did you show? You know, a guy like P.J. Hall coming back to the team. I think P.J. showed a lot. Ross yeah. Blacklock, what did Ross show? You know, there's a lot of there's, – there's going to be a lot of pressure on Ross to show that he can make that – year one to year two leap that he was worth the 40th pick overall in that 2020 draft. He can be a game wrecker uh, on the inside. Malik Collins presence sort of gives you a little bit of a safety net. If they don't do it, if PJ doesn't play at the level he was last year, if Ross Blacklock doesn't take that step, Malik Collins, I think is sort of the filter for that. And oh, by the way, if they're all playing at a high level, all the better, all the better. So he's one. The other is Kevin Pierre-Louis, linebacker from Washington Redskins, excuse me, Washington football team last year, played a lot of snaps. I think he is a consummate 4-3 linebacker that can do a lot of things. He goes sideline to sideline. He can fly. I used to love him at Boston College. Love him at Boston College. So I think he comes in, if he's the tackle machine that I've seen before on tape, that I remember from Boston College, and that guy steps next to Zach Cunningham and whoever else is going to start, whether it's Christian Kurtzie or whomever, how they're going to play this. KPL gives them a lot of different options defensively. And look, I've thought about this a lot. In your division, six games, you now – and I, I know the quarterbacks, I get it. But you got to shut down James Robinson in Jacksonville, some guy named Derrick Henry in Tennessee, and a Colts running game that features four very capable running backs led by Jonathan Taylor. You better have guys that can tackle, and you better have guys that can get off blocks up front and create issues. Last year, we did not have those guys in this defense. We did not have them anywhere in this defense. So the front gets bolstered with Vincent Taylor and Malik Collins. I think there's a draft pick that's also going to be added to that mix. You bring back P.J. Hall, who I thought had a good year before he was injured. But then you add to the linebacker crew. And I, there are a lot of, a lot of people that talk about Terrell Adams. And, and look, T.A., I felt like had – for what 
was expected. He played above expectation. But I don't want that to be the standard. The standard has to be well above, not even expectation, but well above the standard, well above the average. And watching the linebackers last year, they didn't play at that level. Now, some of that was because they had guys at their feet that weren't there in previous years. You missed BMAC all year long. Uh, but Zach Cunningham, KPL, uh, Camille Grugier-Hill, Joe Thomas, those guys have got to take their game up to a different level, but they'll at least have some help with the additions they made in the defensive line too. That was a fun discussion. HoustonTexas.com for all of our podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, however you take in and absorb the audio information. That's how you should do it. We'll go around the NFL next to close it down right here on this Wednesday edition of Texas All Access. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. It's Mattress Firm's semi-annual sale, where you can save up to $300 on our top-rated brands like Sealy and Sleepies. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 on Sealy. Or buy Tempur-Pedic and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Shop Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and more with our sleep experts today to find your best sleep. Only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. Keep up with the Houston Texans everywhere you go. Download the Texans mobile app. One final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. The mobile version. It's been mobile for over a year now. And, you know, it's interesting. I was reading a story today about Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. And he was talking about spring practice. And he said, you know, when we do spring practice in 2021, I don't want to just get back in the rut of 15 practices, you schedule them out, you do this. He's kind of changed the whole way that they're going about their spring to get ready for the 2021 season. And they're modeling it a lot after what they did last year. And I got me thinking about doing Texans radio. Well, maybe the mobile studio will be mobile for a whole lot longer than Whenever the COVID is done and the pandemic is over, I don't know. It's, you know, doing a show from home isn't quite so bad. That commute after the show, not so bad. Uh, it's okay. A few news and notes. And I think a lot of these have to do with Texas, or I'll find a way to connect it. As Landry Locker and John Lopez like to say, localize it. Free agent pass rusher, Jadevion Clowney. Visited the Cleveland Browns today, and when I saw that, of course you see a headline and you just, oh my God, clowning with Miles Garrett? Oh, shut it down. You know, J.D.'s not the guy he once was. I think the injury he had in 2014 took away some of it. I think just the the injuries over the years. There was stuff that J.D. was playing through that I don't think anybody really knew about. I remember 20, when we go to Denver, 18? I think it was 2018. Yeah, this is last year with us. He was playing with a groin injury out in Denver that he should have been out three, four weeks and somehow got himself back on the field and was playing and played through it. Had a bye week the next week, so he was able to come back healthy a few weeks after that. But I think it's really kind of taken a toll on him. I think the other thing that's taken a toll on JD is the fact that he never does training camp. That just, you can't work on your skills. Your individual skills. And he's so gifted. But he left Cleveland without a deal. So we'll keep an eye on that. We've got to play Cleveland this year. 
in Cleveland. Ooh, Miles Garrett and Devion Clowney could be a duo. I mentioned this to Mark earlier. We talked about this a little bit. T.Y. Hilton signs a one-year, $10 million deal to stay in Indy. Now, the the scuttlebutt was that he had gotten a better offer than that. But he said he wanted to stay in Indianapolis. Now, he tweeted something about, I love the city, Indy. I want to finish my career here. Well, it's a one-year deal. Does that mean that he's done after one year or he's going to blow it out of the water and then that TV money kicks in and the cap goes up and he can reap the benefits? Potentially. But it does sound as though T.Y. wants to finish as a Colt who at least, I think, finished 2021. As a Colt, the Texans have got to face T.Y. Hilton again. Tennessee announced today Josh Reynolds. I know it's not a highlight name. You go, wait a second. Now, if if you're if you went to Texas A&M or you're an A&M fan, you recognize the name. Like, hey, man, I remember Josh Reynolds. Yeah, he's from San Antonio, played at Texas A&M. I think that could be an underrated signing for the Tennessee Titans. They lose Corey Davis. Josh Reynolds steps in alongside uh, A.J. Brown. That could be quietly a really good twosome because I don't think people understand how good Josh Reynolds can be now going to Tennessee. I think he's more accomplished as a receiver than Corey Davis was. Corey Davis just could never put it all together with the size, strength, speed that he had in Tennessee. He was hurt. He'd be in and out of the lineup. Then he'd have the drops. I think he had the, the drops against us in, I think, the second game, the one at NRG. He just couldn't catch a cold that day. Uh, it was ridiculous. But that said, he is now with the Jets, that being Corey Davis, but the Titans signed Josh Reynolds. I think that could be a sneaky hot signing for the Tennessee Titans down the road. Finally, I couldn't find a way to localize this other than to say I always wanted a Dominican Sioux to be a Texan. He had opportunities, I think. Always signing one-year deals. But the Texans were never able to land him. I don't even know if they tried to, but I love a Dominican Sioux. Have for a very long time. One year, $9 million deal to stay with the Buccaneers. And oh my God, they kept the band together in Tampa Bay. It's unbelievable what they were able to do. My goodness. A big thanks to Drew Doherty, to my man Mark Vandermeer, to Eddie P for keeping me on the straight and narrow back at Sports Radio 610. We will see you tomorrow. The general, John McClain, will be with both Mark and myself. We'll see you then, everybody. Have a great night, and as always, go Texans.